section twenty seven of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter twenty one part one rio expedition up the harbor yarns spun higson and the midshipmen captured by slave-dealers imprisoned every one knows that rio de janeiro is one of the most magnificent harbors in the world with its oregon mountains in the distance its surrounding heights covered with the richest foliage its curiously shaped rocks at the entrance and its stately city scattered along its shores on entering jack and terence much to their satisfaction found not only the corvette but the frigate also at anchor having gone on board the admiral's ship to report their arrival and the occurrence which had taken place at bahia they paid a visit to murray of course terence gained great credit for having beaten off the pirates he was glad to find that he was to be relieved of the charge of the slaver which he had been afraid he might have to carry over to sierra leone in the harbour lay a considerable squadron of steamers and sailing vessels for which a variety of work had been cut out the brazilian government had at last united with the english in the determination of putting a stop to the importation of slaves into the country though they acknowledged that their own men-of-war could do little or nothing the fact being that the brazilian officers were more or less interested in supporting the abominable traffic two or three other ships were in the harbour taking in water and provisions before going for a long cruise in the pacific and an expedition was also to be sent to the parana against general rosas who setting all treaties at defiance had stopped up the navigation of the river as neither the corvette nor brig were likely to sail for some days the officers made excursions on shore tom and desmond were delighted to find that archie gordon had so greatly recovered that he was able to go to sea in the frigate he was now nearly as well as ever but still was not allowed to take exercise on shore they proposed making a trip up the harbour and higson got permission to take the corvette's pinnace you must take care of the youngsters better than you did once upon a time said adair don't expend any of them if you can help it no fear answered higson i will watch over them as carefully as a hen does her chickens or a nursery maid the half-dozen small children committed to her care a good store of provisions in the way of substantials with a proportionate amount of liquor cigars and tobacco was laid in fish and fruit might easily be obtained their uniform jackets being stowed away in their carpet-bags all hands were dressed in white flannel jackets white trousers and straw hats or caps while their only weapons were a couple of ship's muskets the same number of boarding-pikes and a brace of pistols 
not that they expected to require them for their defence but for the slaughter of any game they might meet the party mustered eight in all including snatchblock and tim brady an irishman who was taken to act as cook tim's only qualification for the post was that he professed to be able to boil praties with any man in the service the midshipmen had forgotten that no potatoes were among their stores but then tim told a good story and sang a song in first-rate style which made ample amends for his deficiency of knowledge in the culinary art soon after daybreak higson shoved off from the side of the corvette calling on board the brig for the remainder of the party then making sail they stood away up the harbour the city was soon left astern as they glided over the calm waters in the far distance could be seen the curiously shaped organ mountains while on either hand rose conical hills amidst forests of lofty trees of every variety cocoa-nuts and orange groves palms and mangroves and others bearing a variety of nuts or blossoms of gorgeous hue scarlet orange yellow pink and white gaily plumaged birds and beautifully tinted butterflies of wonderful size flitted through the air the party though well accustomed to the rich vegetation of the west indies agreed that few scenes in the tropics could surpass this in beauty curiously rigged boats came floating by some loaded with fruit and vegetables others like haystacks gone adrift and others of considerable size carrying cattle to the market at rio several picturesque islets were passed covered like the mainland with rich vegetation and numberless flowers of various hues well i think we shall have a jolly trip of it exclaimed tom there is no necessity to bother ourselves by taking observations or keeping a dead reckoning but like the navigators of old we shall never lose sight of land no but we must stand by to lower the sail pretty sharply if a squall comes off one of those pointed hills there observed higson and that is not at all unlikely to happen who is after getting hungry sung out desmond i suspect it must be past eight bells and so i vote we land and look out for a pleasant place to take our dinner there is one said higson pointing to a spot where the landing appeared easy and there was a tolerably wide space of open ground backed by an orange grove on the branches of which golden and green fruit with white and pink blossoms all hung together all hands were soon on shore with such provisions as they required and the greater number employed themselves in collecting wood for their proposed fire which was soon blazing away from the sparkling stream which rushed down from the mountains they obtained a supply of water the dark green leaves of the orange trees overhead afforded sufficient shade and they were soon all seated round a substantial repast to which they were well inclined to do full justice we have not far to go for our dessert said tom as he eyed the oranges hanging temptingly above his head archy gordon was of opinion however that as they were not growing wild they must belong to somebody and that 
unless the owner would consent to part with his fruit they would not be right to take them as may be supposed however he was in the minority though hickson acknowledged that if the owner could be found he was entitled to payment should he demand it in the meantime snatchblock and his companion who were not troubled with any scruples on the subject collected their hats full and emptied them out on the ground by the side of the officers on this all hands including archy himself were soon employed in discussing the delicious fruit to their heart's content i doubt whether i ever did eat such delicious oranges exclaimed desmond sucking away at orange after orange all the pips grow on the outside what a convenient arrangement for a person in a hurry i have seen many a black fellow with a mouth big enough to take in a whole one though such a bolus would be apt to stick in his gullet if he were to swallow one before putting his teeth into it well youngsters if we are to get far up the harbour before dark we must be off said higson come let us pack up our traps and take care not to leave any pots or pans on shore the party soon got once more in the boat but the wind failing them they had to depend on their oars in making headway wishing to go as far as they could before nightfall they pulled on cheerfully amusing themselves now by singing many a merry song now shouting now spinning yarns some of them it must be owned oft repeated tales the scenery appeared as beautiful as at first at length as evening was approaching and hickson began to feel hungry he once more put in for the shore at a spot somewhat resembling that on which they had landed for dinner here too was running water a grove of orange trees and not far off several gigantic mangroves with figs and grapes in abundance faith we are in a regular paradise observed desmond we may revel in fruits at all events said higson they agreed as no houses were to be seen and as they were not likely to be interrupted that they would bring up here for the night and get a bath in the morning before starting the fire was lighted as usual cocoa and coffee put on and made while the provisions they had brought were spread on the ground not intending to proceed farther they were in no hurry and fully enjoyed their meal finishing off with an extra glass of grog or two which naturally produced the usual songs and yarns till they all declared that they felt remarkably happy snatchblock and tim brady presented them with a liberal supply of fruit which was generous on the part of the two men considering that it had cost them nothing it was eaten however with not the less relish as the merry party smoked their cigars or pipes sucked oranges and sipped their grog many a yarn of bygone days was told snatchblock and tim brady took their part on such expeditions as these steady men are permitted a familiarity not allowable on board higson had already told two or three stories and had just described an amusing scene on the coast of africa when ben snatchblock chimed in do you mind mr higson when we were aboard the corsair together on the coast we saw many curious sights among the niggers they seem altogether a different sort of people to those over here 
you know young gentlemen we always ship a dozen or more black fellows aboard to do the hard work wooding and watering and such like which would pretty nigh kill white men if they were to attempt it in the hot sun of the coast the blacks we got were called crewmen they altogether beat any other niggers i have ever fallen in with in these parts fine big active fellows and strong as any englishman and stronger than most and as brave as need be in fact we could not get on without them the slavers never come near the crewmen's country in the first place they are very hard to catch as they fight desperately and not one of them would ever consent to be turned into a slave most of those along the coast who have served on board men of war or merchantmen speak a little english some speak it pretty well they are neat and clean in their persons and their houses are far better furnished than those of the blacks in general with chairs tables looking-glasses and china and all sorts of things just like civilized christians when a gang is engaged for a ship they always have a headman with a mate under him who is called his favourite man you will remember mr hickson sir the fellow we had aboard the corsair who was called dan ropeyarn a great big fellow he was too stood six feet six without his shoes seeing he never wore such things he could lift up me and tim brady here and we are not chickens one in each hand dan was a good-natured fellow which was fortunate for it would not have done to offend him he was not what is called a beauty though he had a mouth so wide that we used to declare he somehow or other managed to shift his ears farther back when he had a mind to grin and show his white teeth dan's mate or favourite man was called tom saucepan he was a pretty strong fellow but he was not equal to dan and in point of good looks there wasn't much to make one jealous of the other though maybe the black damsels of their own country have a different opinion from ours on the subject one evening we were going down the sheba river which was pretty broad you mind sir the wind was light and the water as smooth as glass we had been on somewhat short commons for a month or two for the slave-dealers prevented the people when they could from bringing off fresh provisions suddenly the lookout from the masthead who had been in a south sea whaler shouted out a turtle floating down stream sir the commander asked dan rope yarn if he could catch the turtle oh yes sar i do dat same he answered and calling tom saucepan he lowered his canoe when taking a harpoon and a long line they shoved off dan as tom paddled him along made the end of the line fast to the harpoon but not to the canoe for he knew well enough that if the turtle was to give but one pull unless the line was directly over the bows the canoe would be capsized in a moment away he went and we all watched him eagerly from the deck our mouths watering with the thoughts of the turtle soup we hoped to get for dinner next day 
dan was too wise to let the turtle know that he was coming so he made tom paddle up cautiously astern of the creature while he stood in the bows with his harpoon raised in his hand ready to strike not one of us could have stood upright in such a cranky sort of concern as she was if we had tried it we should have gone over in a moment still as we looked at dan so steadily he stood we might have fancied that his feet were planted on firm ground some of us thought he would miss the turtle after all but we were wrong away flew the harpoon right into the creature's back it did not stop quiet after this but off it started running out the line which dan had coiled away at the bottom of the canoe like lightning somehow or other however the line caught dan's leg and in an instant whisked him overboard and capsized the canoe away he was dragged leaving the canoe astern he did not let go of the rope though not he but catching the end he took it in his teeth grinning tremendously passing it as he did so between his legs he must have found that wet rope a pretty hard saddle i have a notion as he had nothing on in the way of trousers now up the stream he paddled with his hands just as composedly as if he was taking a swim for his own amusement now and then the turtle in its agony would dive or dash off at a great rate and he would be drawn back but the line was too long to let him be dragged under the water tom saucepan had in the meantime caught hold of the stern of the canoe and seizing her by both hands he gave her a violent rock and in an instant righted her another rock and he had freed her of water then in he sprang legs first over the stern and began bailing away with his hat he had kept the paddle in his mouth all the time the commander had ordered a boat to be lowered to assist dan but before even she reached the water tom had not only righted the canoe but had got up to dan and taken him on board and there was the nearly done-for turtle towing them quietly through the water in a few minutes the turtle had lost its strength and instead of the turtle towing the canoe the canoe was towing the turtle we hoisted it on board and i mind that it weighed two hundred pounds i shall not forget that turtle mr higson for you and the other officers sent us three bottles of wine to mix with the soup it was a rare good stuff that it was and ben smacked his lips at the recollection of the feast which an alderman would not have despised i shall not forget dan's face as i saw it through the glass while he held the rope in his mouth paddling away up the river with the turtle's stern to his or the wonderfully rapid way in which tom saucepan righted his canoe said higson laughing we saw some curious sights aboard the old brig sir observed ben do you remember the capsizing the commander got one day i'm not quite certain but i think that you ben were the very man who did the deed oh no sir it wasn't me answered ben it was billy blazes as we used to call him what was it mr higson asked tom and desmond well you see youngsters we carried pretty taunt masts and square yards and as several sister brigs of ours had been lost with all hands 
the commander considered it as well to be cautious so that we might not go and keep them company it became therefore necessary to make the men sharp when all hands were turned up to shorten sail and he let it be understood that he intended on such occasions to punish the last man off the lower deck he was a tall thin man so tall that he found his height very inconvenient in a ten-gun brig and he used to put his looking-glass on deck and his head through the cabin skylight when he wanted to shave in the morning billy blazes who was a quartermaster was about as short and stout as the commander was tall and thin one day just as the commander came on deck and was standing near the companion hatchway seeing a squall coming along the water he shouted pretty sharply all hands shorten sail now billy as i take it for granted that snatchblock is right in saying it was he was below doing something or other and guessing that he would be late if he came up the main hatchway he bolted through the gun-room passage thinking that no one would see him and up he sprang by the companion hatchway at that moment the commander turned round and receiving billy's head in the pit of his stomach was doubled up and sent sprawling over on the deck the pain preventing him from seeing who had done the deed billy did not you may be sure stop to apologize but up the rigging he sprang before the commander or any of the officers knew who it was and you may depend upon it he did not inform them his messmates kept his secret and it was not till the brig was paid off that the truth slipped out i remember the same system as that you speak of being carried on in a ship i once served in observed norris the first lieutenant used to put down the name of the last man off the lower deck on a slip of paper and at the end of three months he took out the slip and counted who had been most frequently guilty and they were invariably punished however as several good men got punished the system became very unpopular and as many deserted in consequence it was given up on this tom told some of the stories about blacklisting which he had heard from admiral triton i once served under a captain in that respect like jerry hawthorne said higson not that he was in general severe i must own but he used to come down pretty sharply on us midshipmen occasionally we were in the mediterranean and brought up in malta harbour i and two other youngsters were greatly addicted to fishing this the captain did not approve of as he said that the bait and lines dirtied the ship's side and so he issued an order against it still fish we would whenever we had a chance and we three knowing that the captain had gone on shore were thus engaged one day when he unexpectedly returned on board and found us hauling up fish after fish which left their scales sticking to the frigate's polished sides he sent for us aft i will show you my lads how to fish he said with a bland smile and thereon he ordered three boarding pikes to be brought to each of which he had about four feet of rope yarn secured with a hand lead at the end now come along lads and you shall begin your fishing he said with a quiet chuckle and he then made each of us hold a boarding pike straight out over the taffrail at arm's length during the whole of the watch telling the first lieutenant to keep an eye on us you may be sure our arms ached 
and when the lieutenant turned another way we took the liberty of letting the pikes rest on the rail every now and then the captain would come up and with that bland smile of his ask us in a cheerful voice have you caught any fish my lads and when we said no sir he would answer try a little longer you will have better luck by and by i can tell you it was about as aggravating a punishment as i ever endured it cured us for the time at least of our love of fishing you must have seen some wonderful things in the course of your career mr hickson observed tom i have indeed youngster answered the lieutenant one of the most wonderful was in that brig we were speaking of and snatchblock was the man who played the most important part in the drama it was a very short one though we were shortening sail when a young midshipman very small for his age fell from the fore-top-gallant yard you must have thought that he must to a certainty have been dashed to pieces so he would have been but snatchblock who was on the fore-topsail yard caught him as he fell in a vice-like grasp and placed him on the yard thus saving his life i cannot tell you how i did it sir said snatchblock all i can fancy is i heard him coming for it was but a moment after he let go his hold that i had him tight enough do you mind sir pat o'connor falling from aloft he and another man were in the main-top-mast cross-trees when they took to quarrelling what it was about i don't know but pat said something which made the other hit him and over went pat striking as he fell the mainsail with his head which took the skin right off his face and down he came on deck his face all gory and his shirt and trousers covered with blood we ran to him thinking that every bone in his body must have been broken and expecting to find him dead when up he jumped and doubling his fists began swearing terribly at the other i don't think i ever heard a fellow swear more telling him to come down and he would fight him then and there he was just as if he had gone mad and he didn't seem to think for a moment of the fearful danger he had escaped i have known a man killed just falling a few feet and others like those we have been speaking about falling from aloft and yet not the worse for it i remember once going round the horn when a man fell from the fore topsail yard the ship was running eight knots or so before a strong breeze over a long heavy swell though the sea was not breaking it was some time before she could be rounded to but the man was a strong swimmer and struck out bravely while we were watching the poor fellow an immense albatross came sweeping down towards him several of us cried out that he would be killed those birds with their strong bills can drill a hole in a man's skull in a moment we shouted at the top of our voices but the man could not hear us fortunately he saw the bird coming and whipping off his shoe he held it in his hand to defend himself down swooped the albatross when seizing the shoe in its beak off it flew again and did not drop it for a minute or more a boat was lowered and the man picked up not much the worse and the surgeon of the ship who had got his rifle ready shot the same albatross some minutes after it measured i mind fourteen feet and a few inches from tip to tip of its wings yarn after yarn of a similar character was spun 
till some of the party got up saying that they must stretch their legs leaving higson archy and tom and desmond still at the supper-table while the rest were absent higson who was leaning back enjoying his cigar happening to look round observed several men coming out of the orange grove hello what can those fellows want he said sitting up they seem friendly enough but there are a good many others behind the trees observed tom the strangers approached nearer they appeared by their costumes to be country people and except the long sticks they carried in their hands no weapons were observed among them stopping a few yards off they stood staring at the young officers without addressing them though they made remarks to each other norris was the only one of the party who pretended to speak portuguese you must be our interpreter ask what they want said higson norris did his best to put the question but the natives did not seem to understand him as they made no reply seeing only the young lieutenant and his four companions the rest of the party being still at a distance the strangers became more familiar while some gathered close round them others went to the boat one stooping down picked up a musket while another got hold of a boarding-pike which lay on the grass at a little distance and began examining them i don't quite like the way these fellows are behaving said higson hang it all i have left my pistols in the boat or i would make them keep their distance tell them norris that we beg they will stand a little way off and explain their object in paying us a visit norris thereon addressed the natives in the best portuguese he could muster but they did not apparently choose to understand him presently the men who had gone down to the boat scrambled into her and shouting to the others shoved off and began to make their way towards another landing-place some distance along the shore hello you fellows come back what are you about shouted higson darting forward directly he did so four of the natives threw themselves upon him and though he knocked over one and gave another a black eye they succeeded in tripping him up and before he could strike another blow they had his arms fast behind his back norris and the three midshipmen were rushing to his assistance when they were treated in the same manner two or three of the natives seizing each one of them and quickly securing their arms well you fellows what are you going to do with us i should like to know exclaimed higson feeling naturally very indignant we are british officers and i can tell you that if you don't set us at liberty and bring back our boat you will have to pay for it tell them what i say norris the only reply made by the natives was piratas piratas they say that we are pirates exclaimed norris i only hope they won't take it into their heads to hang us before they find out their mistake and from the rough way they are handling us i should not be surprised if they do cried desmond set our arms free you fellows if you want us to go along with you we will walk quietly enough since we can't help ourselves the brazilians of course not understanding this only grinned and having collected various articles scattered about on the grass they prepared to leave the water-side just then snatchblock and the rest of the party from different directions appeared very much astonished at seeing the way in which their companions were being treated and that their boat was carried off before they could unite several more natives coming to the spot rushed down on them and made them prisoners 
snatchblock showed fight and two or three of his assailants bit the ground before they succeeded in capturing him the whole naval party were then marched up the hill towards a village which appeared in the distance their captors being joined on the way by several more people who abused and threatened them with violent gestures i can't make out whom they take us for said higson to norris who was dragged along near him try and ascertain there is surely some mistake norris expostulated as well as he could but received the same reply as before paratus paratus while their captors pointed with significant gestures to some horizontal branches of trees which stretched across the path intimating as they all supposed that the branches would be convenient for hanging them on i say gerald i don't like this at all at all cried desmond if the people are giving to practising lynch law hereabouts they may hang us up as they threaten to do without ceremony i don't think they will dare to do that for they must guess who we really are answered tom whatever they may think they call us pirates said desmond arrah now you unmannerly brutes just behave properly to a gentleman he exclaimed turning round to the brazilians who were roughly hauling him on away from tom snatchblock and his messmate walked along abusing their captors for their own gratification knowing pretty well that not a word they uttered could be understood at last they arrived in front of a building with a door and a couple of strongly barred windows on either side the door being opened by an official-looking personage who produced a huge key from his pocket they were all unceremoniously thrust in one by one again hickson protested against the treatment they were receiving but the brazilians were utterly indifferent to what he or any of his companions said snatchblock who had till then been walking on quietly suddenly got his arms loose and knocking aside with some well-directed blows from his iron fists two or three of the persons nearest to him shouted out now is the time to get our liberty we will soon send the fellows to the right about come on mr higson the coast is clear the lieutenant and midshipmen having their arms lashed behind them could not quite so easily follow his advice and the next instant the brazilians making a rush together threw themselves on the brave sailor and brought him to the ground when he was quickly bundled in after the rest and the door shut as however his arms were at liberty he at once released his companions this is very provoking exclaimed hickson after they had somewhat recovered from the rough handling they had received we can soon set ourselves to rights though if we could manage to send on board one of our ships easy enough but we must get out first observed desmond perhaps we might contrive to get through the roof i have heard of such things being done said tom the door and windows are evidently strong and there is no chance of getting out through them the building which was about twenty-five feet long and fourteen wide was carefully examined but they soon discovered that the roof was strong and heavy and there was but little prospect of making their way through it even should they get outside how were they to reach rio was the question unless they could find their boat and over that their captors would probably keep a strict watch 
there were some rough wooden benches fixed to the walls round the room but no table or any place on which they could rest the floor which was excessively dirty being strewed with the remains of the meals of other prisoners they had no wish to lie down on it at last higson seating himself on a bench said well all we can do at present is to practise patience and see what turns up next it was now quite dark fortunately having enjoyed a good supper just before they were captured they were not hungry the rest of the party followed the lieutenant's example and lay down on the benches no one came into the prison but they could hear voices outside and a great number of people apparently passing up and down before the door thus they passed the night End of section twenty seven